0: What a humbling question! Is my master satisfied with me? Um, that'll get you thinking, will it not? I remember my days as a court officer, and I remember uh, I had a federal subpoena to serve on a family, and I say a family—it was a lady. Uh, but nonetheless, she was outside of her apartment complex and her child, uh, probably three, four years old, outside there in the parking lot, their front lawn, however you wanted to call it. Uh, but nonetheless, I was talking with the lady and as we, we talked, the child went up to her mother and said, I want to be just like him when i grew up and you're talking about something that really floored uh, me now i wasn't a preacher at that time and i couldn't help but think as i got back in the the car i told uh, my partner that was with me i said i hope and pray that that child does not grow up to be just like me when i think of calvary Am I, is the Lord satisfied with me? My goodness. Jonah chapter 3. We continue our series here in uh, Jonah 3, and I'll confess to you now, Jonah 3 has two parts, all right? Uh, There wasn't no way that I could say all that I wanted to say out of Jonah 3, uh, ...to you in one setting, and so we'll look at Jonah 3 again next Sunday, just so you know. Um, but uh, nonetheless, just kind of recap of what we have looked at thus far. We know in chapter 1 that this was a city, Nineveh, uh, that God had wanted to save. It was a great city. Um, I've heard every, anything from 120,000 in the population up to 600,000. Uh, that's That's irrelevant. The fact is that God wanted to save this great city. It was a wicked uh, city. It was a city in which the countdown to judgment had begun. A countdown of wickedness, a countdown of life, a countdown to this prophetic fulfillment. And then we find Jonah, uh, Jonah the reluctant uh, prophet, a man called of God, chosen to go to this great city. Uh, to preach redemption to them and to warn them that destruction would come should they not repent. But instead of going and doing what Jonah was supposed to do, we learn that Jonah flees and, and goes in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. And then he was swallowed up by this great fish, a whale some translations, uh, state If you look at the Hebrew, um, that great fish, that whale was translated to be a sea monster, and which, by the way, still exists today, right? I gave you the story, the illustration of a man who had a similar experience, uh, uh, and uh, he survived to tell the story, although he he looked rough and he was weak, but nonetheless, he survived, he told the story of how this great fish swallowed him up there in the sea, which confirms that this was an actual, factual, historical event that took place. We see where that is a type of death, the burial, and the resurrection of what we know in the New Testament as Christ coming and dying for the sins of mankind, being buried and then raised again the third day. Then we come to chapter 3. Chapter 3, we we closed out chapter 2 looking how Jonah came to himself. He repented to God. God gave him a second chance at life. Aren't we thankful for that this morning? That God gives those second and third and fourth and fifth chances in life. How he repented. How he's talking about how his life was vain and how he should have just listened to the Lord. How the Lord... Spoke to the fish in verse 10 of chapter 2, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. And then the word of the Lord came this second time, chapter 3. And there's some great things that happen in chapter 3 and and uh, it, it's it's amazing how God works and I want us to to look at this very closely. Uh, like I said, I couldn't get it all in today. So so we're going to take two Sundays to look at at chapter 3 here. But let's read chapter 3. In the book of Jonah it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying get up go to Nineveh that great city and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding large city a three days walk across and Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk and he cried out 40 days more in Nineveh. ...shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human or animal, nor herd, nor flock shall taste anything... They shall not feed nor shall they drink water. Humans and animals shall be covered with sackcloth and they shall cry mightily to God and shall turn from their evil ways and from their violence that is in their hands. Who knows that God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish when God saw what they did. they turned from their evil ways God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said that he would bring upon them and he did not do it isn't that a great great story that is a story I believe that could be fitting for us in this country this world uh, today let's go to the Lord in prayer father we're so thankful God for your word and Lord, we're thankful that you are a God of great mercy that is beyond our understanding of how you could love us so much. And God, as we are satisfied with you, as the song says, we pray that you would be satisfied with us. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary this morning. Lord, that these dear folk would not see me. But God, that they would see you. Speak to our hearts. Save that one that may be lost this morning. Bring that one that may be backslidden to repentance. And Lord, for whatever you do, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to that great city called Nineveh and proclaim to them, preach to them the message that I have told you. So chapters one and two, the second call came after uh, failure and chastening. We've seen in chapter one where Jonah failed to do what he was called to do. In chapter two, how that his life was uh, in misery because of uh, this uh, ordeal, and and so so many uh, things here about John, uh, Jonah's response to, to uh, God's call uh, was wrong. And if you look at these, and of course this is kind of backtracking to chapters 1 and 2, uh, but there were so many things that Jonah did wrong in what his response to God uh, was. His attitude was wrong. Uh, he knew better than to have that kind of attitude. His feeling was wrong. Uh, we kind of get the idea here that maybe Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh, or maybe it was the trip to Nineveh itself that he didn't like. But nonetheless, his feelings uh, that he had uh, were wrong. Choosing self will over God's will, we find where he was wrong in doing that as well. He knew better uh, than that. After all, this was a prophet of God, right? Uh, The prophet of God should know that his attitudes don't matter, or his his wrong attitudes uh, does not matter to God, that God called him to do something, he needs to do it. We should know as preachers, as prophets of God, that our feelings doesn't really matter when it comes to the work of God, right? Uh, We live in a society where uh, it seems that we um, wear our feelings on our shoulders and and uh, the first time that something is said, especially nowadays, uh, in regards to lifestyles, in regards to, to what we seem as sin, what the Bible calls sin, we get our feelings hurt. We get offended. And it's automatically, in terminology of today, hate speech, that it's uh, they, they, they just don't understand that that God made me this way, or whatever the case may be, we can't allow our feelings to get in the way of what God has called us to do. And we certainly can't allow self-will. I can attest to that to you uh, this morning, and I would say that if everyone were honest with ourselves this morning, everyone here can attest to the fact that our will will get us nowhere but trouble in life. It is what God wills. Chastity comes from... Uh, to the wayward child of God, just as it came to Jonah here. Christians can never get away with sin. Uh, we, we have this ideology in our minds that uh, if as long as no one knows about it, that it's all right, that I can hide it, I can cover it up. Someone had once said, be sure that your sin will find you out. For sin will find you out. A Christian can never get away with sin. That storm that uh, Jonah faced here, it was by no accident. This whole idea was no accident. This great fish, this sea monster, this whale, whatever one wants to call it, it was no accident. It was all orchestrated by God. We know there are several that came under God's chastening. Israel wandered around in the wilderness, how long? Forty years, because of their self-will, because of their own ideologies. Samson was grinding in the prison house, blind and powerless because of his failure to do what God had called him to do. But the beautiful thing is, in regards to all of this, that God's grace teaches us who has failed. We all have failed at some point in our lives. Samson would return to regain his strength. Uh, Peter, even though he wept because of all of his denials, became a spokesman for the church. And God this morning will meet you right where you are. I think of Paul who was uh, beforehand known as Saul, one of the most hated men of all of of the country at the time. And and he would be, as I had mentioned before, uh, one of those guys that you see in the aisle of Walmart and you would go six aisles the other way to avoid because you didn't want to see him, you didn't want to have contact with this guy. But yet he became one of the greatest missionaries the church ever had. Because of God and his second chances. God will meet you where you are. No matter how bad we have been. No matter how mad towards God. Our anger towards God. Our anger towards the church. God will still meet you where you are. In chapter 3 and verse 2. We find where this second call came With Jonah's old commission. The commission never changed. The message never changed. I was listening to the radio this week and I don't remember um, remember what station it was, but uh, that's neither here nor there either. Um, But anyway, it had said that God's word is the same as it was back then that there is no such thing as progressive Christianity because the God of the Old Testament was the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old and New Testament is still the same God today. And I thought, that's true, right? Uh, There is no progressiveness in Christianity. The same thing that God had, had proclaimed all of these centuries ago is the same message for today. And so Jonah's commission, as it was in chapter 1, is the same commission that he had in chapter 2. There wasn't nothing new. There wasn't nothing that changed, except for the fact that, that Jonah went from a disobedient, a sinful prophet to a repentant, reclaimed, forgiven prophet. It's the only thing that changed. The message was still the same. Go and proclaim this message that I tell you, the second call is evidence of God's wonderful grace. And Jonah must have thought it was all over for him. As you look back in chapter two, you remember how we we looked at all of these thoughts that Jonah was having uh, during this uh, three day. Um, time in the the belly of this well and and how he was thinking that all was lost that there was no more hope rising up there on the beach where this whale had spat him out on exhausted and done in thought deliverance was the very best thing that could happen at this point probably uh, doubted that god would ever use him Again. Then we find in chapter three a wonderful thing. It says that God called Jonah the second time with the same message. The God of the second chance. Not for salvation, but for service. When God has a plan for you, that plan will be done. Um And if God has to get you in deep water to get your attention, then deep water it is. If God has to bring sickness, and I know this isn't a popular idea. A lot of people may not agree with this, but I believe that God will do whatever God has to do to get your attention and to get you where you need to be. I want to read from Psalm 51, if I may uh, quickly. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before Thee against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are so you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment indeed I was born guilty a sinner when my mother conceived me you desire truth in the inward being therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart purge me with hyssop And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me in a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the bloodshed, O God. God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. A sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, and a broken and contrite heart, O God you will not despise. Do good to Zion and all your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and the whole burnt offerings the bulls will be offered on your altar. That is a psalm of David. A psalm of David in which you will find that several chapters before this psalm, David was silent. Didn't hear from David. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of psalms that were not written by David because he was quiet. David went through a time of great depression over the whole Bathsheba deal and, and killing of a man to cover up his sin, and, and he felt useless of God. But Did you notice what those words said? Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy, and gl- let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins, blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Restore me, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That is probably one of my favorite verses because I know what David was feeling here. I know how David felt knowing all of these things were going against you. All the odds were against him. And he was down and out. Felt useless of God. A murderer. a One who, who had fornication, idolatry. All of these things in his life. He didn't know the joy anymore. And so for him to say, purge me, wash me, cleanse me, and restore to me that joy. What a beautiful message this is. And I believe that this is the same thing that probably Jonah had felt as well. Lord, I know that I have sinned. I know that I have fled from you. I know where my calling was, and I went the opposite direction, but cleanse me use me this is a God of second chances as you look into chapter 4 we'll pick up that two weeks from now but uh, nonetheless this point goes along with chapter 3 the second call came in spite of the fact that Jonah would fail once again you would think that I would like to say, let me put it that way, I would like to say that if Justin was in that situation and Justin got swallowed up in this great belly of a fish and Justin had to live with that for three days and three nights, I think I would be probably, I would like to think in my mind I would be one of the most faithful preachers that God has ever had. Right, That I would go wherever, preach whatever, regardless of what happens to me. But it's funny how Jonah was displeased with Nineveh's repentance. The very thing that God gave to Jonah, he was displeased when it was given to others. Here's a man who is disappointed with his own success, a whole city. Revived. matter of fact, the Bible says he was a day into the journey and he went ahead and began to proclaim, repent or you will be destroyed. There's a story that says D.L. Moody, who is one of my favorite uh, Baptists, he was what they call a peculiar Baptist, but that's another sermon for another day. Um, we're all peculiar, right? Amen or oh me. Some are more peculiar than others, right? Move on. Gotcha. D.L. Moody, when he was preaching a revival, he would go into the churches where he was going to be preaching, and he would stand about midways of the sanctuary, and he would just belt out, repent, repent. That's all he would say. And he did this during a revival one day or one week and one of the custodians of the church heard this preacher belting out repent repent in the sanctuary of the church and so he went into the sanctuary and asked he didn't know moody and he asked him he says sir what are you doing there's nobody here and his response was i know no one is here But I want to know what it sounds like and make sure that when the people are here, that they will hear. Repent. Repent. Jonah was a day's journey away, and he was yelling out, repent, repent. There is a preacher who is regretful that God used him. You'll find this in chapter 4. Here is an evangelist who is pouting over a whole city that was full of penitence. What hard ears we oftentimes have that God loves us, has forgiven us, saved us, delivered us, and yet when that is bestowed to others, how quick we are. To say that's not real that won't last I'm sure you've heard it all before right I remember when I surrendered to preach I was 14 years old Thaxton Baptist Church Thaxton Mississippi just outside of Oxford I remember walking down the aisle and grabbing I grabbed the youth pastor on the way down and I grabbed the pastor of the church and i simply said i'm ready to start preaching those were my words and uh, it had been a call that i have had i got i was saved at 13 so for the last that whole year i was contemplating this granted i was young right I remember people in the church, of course it was a larger church, and I remember people I could hear them saying, he's too young. He's not qualified. He there there's no that will never last. My own family that will never last, right? And here we are 20 <laughs> something years later. God still loves us. And we all have this message to proclaim, but don't be like Jonah. When God saves, you know, we should be rejoicing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner comes to repentance. Can you imagine when a whole city comes to repentance? Whatever your past this morning, can I say to you that God... Will meet you there. Even if you are weak and you fail tomorrow, he will still meet you today. I want to close out with Henry Ward Beecher. We'll extend a a moment of invitation. I want to close out with this. He said, No physician ever weighed out medicine to his patients with half so much care and exactness as God weighs out to us every trial. Not one grain too much does he ever permit to be put in the scale. Let me read that one more time. No physician ever weighed out medicine to his patients With half so much care and exactness as God weighs out to us every trial. No one grain too much does he ever permit to be put on the scale. Friend, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're facing tomorrow. I'm no psychic. Right? I don't know. But I do know that you're not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. The Spirit of God is not here by accident. This message was not proclaimed by accident. The things that happened to Jonah were no accident. Nothing in this life is by accident. Is orchestrated. God has His hand in it. I think sometimes we determine what happens because that's that self-will, that's that that's that free will to do, to do and choose. But can I say to you this morning that no matter where we are in life, whether we're sinful sinners running from God, or whether we're in that state? of being in the whale's belly. And you may have been in that belly for quite some time. Or maybe we're done spat out on land, we've done repented, but we still hold that grudging heart, that hard heart. Whatever the case may be, can I encourage you to give it to the Lord? And be just as the psalmist says, Lord, create in me a new heart, a new spirit. Purge me. You know what that means? Get rid of. Purge me of all of this iniquity, of this sin, of this this dissension, this this anger, this, this pride, this hardness of heart. Purge me. Create in me a new heart. And most of all, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you're able to stand this morning, I encourage you to do so as we extend a hymn of invitation. This is your opportunity to do business with God. Whatever it is that you need to do, maybe you need to pray for yourself, pray for others, pray for family. Maybe you need salvation this morning. Maybe you need repentance this morning. Whatever the case may do, would you come?